This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're highlighting proposals from Governor Kathy Hochul that could impact emergency medical services in New York and to discuss what they could mean for New Yorkers who need care and ambulance providers. We're joined by Tim Egan, chair of the United New York Ambulance Network and executive director of Rockland Paramedic Services. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thanks very much for having me, David. Let's start with a proposal from the governor's State of the State address that was uh, welcome news to your organization, uh, which would make EMS a quote-unquote essential service under state law. What's the significance of something like that? Well, you know, there's multiple components of this. First of all, the significance from a local government perspective is that there would be required EMS throughout the state in each of the 62 counties or 58 exclusive of New York City. And there's also the morale issue with regard to providers in the state. They feel that, as well as as do the agencies, feel that uh, EMS should be an essential service and should be recognized as such. The problem that has come up in conversations about EMS as an essential service is where's the funding going to come from? And is that going to be mandated? So, you know, there's a few pieces to this proposed legislation in the governor's executive budget. But, you know, before we even get to that, I would just like to thank the governor for including EMS issues in her executive budget for the third year in a row. That's, I believe, unprecedented. And we in the EMS community are very appreciative of her thinking of us and realizing that healthcare is important uh, and that EMS in particular needs to be discussed and, and taken care of. So thank you, Governor Opal, for that. You know, it does say in the proposed legislation or excuse me in the governor's executive budget that it should ensure every county has the necessary resources trained personnel and operational capabilities to provide ems and it establishes a framework that includes funding at the county level and i'm sure our friends at at nisoc will want to have a conversation about that we agree that they should be included in the conversation but at the end of the day Police departments are funded by local government. Fire departments are funded by fire department tax districts for the most part, except when you have fire departments provided again by local government, village departments, for example. But EMS, you know, many local communities, especially here in Rockland County, for example, provide funding for EMS. Local government funds EMS in Rockland County, and that's a a pretty terrific thing. We're very appreciative of that here in, in this county, in the Lower Hudson Valley. Uh, but in many parts of the state, local government doesn't really fund EMS, and they they let billing revenue provide funding for those agencies that are serving in the different communities. And there's a bit of a patchwork of different types of services throughout the state. So if counties are held accountable to provide that service, the proposed language in the executive budget does say that the counties have the ability to, or the responsibility, I should say, to provide that funding. But that's going to come from somewhere. So the constituents within those counties are going to be taxed at a higher rate. But that's okay because, in my opinion, it needs to be taken care of. At this point, then, this is just a mandate of care Then the governor is proposing and not a funding stream from the state. You're you're pointing out that it would have to come from the local governments to comply with this mandate. Well, I'm pointing out that the language seems to indicate that the county, along with towns and villages, would be responsible to provide that funding. That's what I'm reading. But the state didn't put aside money to cover this mandate. Not as far as I know. It does say that it includes language to maintain a comprehensive county emergency medical services plan, ensuring the effective operation, coordination, and funding of EMS. That's what the language says. 
So to me, that means that uh, the state is saying the counties have to come up with a plan in which to fund EMS in their individual counties. That would be inclusive of towns and villages. Now, in, in many cases, as I said earlier, it already exists. EMS already exists within those municipalities, within local government, and they wouldn't have to do anything new. And in cases where it doesn't exist, but commercial services that, for example, Onion represents, those services should be engaged first to provide those services if necessary, as opposed to creating new services. So what would this mean for communities that aren't currently complying with the proposed mandate? What would this mean for someone who's in need of emergency services? Is there reason to suspect, say, that services would be better coordinated, more timely, more professional, or could the mandate not necessarily guarantee any of that? Well, I guess that's entirely possible, depending on what part of the state you live in. And, and, you know, in many rural communities, there are significant response times in terms of how long it would take somebody to get an ambulance today. I don't know that this would help with that or not. It would really depend on each individual county's response plan that the executive budget also speaks to. So sticking with the governor's state of the state proposal, there was uh, an announcement in there dealing with a so-called community paramedicine that was uh, welcome news to your organization. First off, what is community paramedicine and what is the governor proposing? That's a great question. What is community paramedicine? So we, as an organization, Rockland Paramedic Services, has been involved in community paramedicine for over 10 years. And community paramedicine means different things to different communities and to different healthcare systems. The overall goal of community paramedicine, as it was first introduced many years ago, was to try and prevent unnecessary readmissions to the hospital after certain procedures, specific procedures like, say, hip replacements, for example, or also to prevent unnecessary ED admissions to keep people out of the healthcare system and to spend less money uh, on those patients, both from a provider perspective, from a healthcare perspective, and, and from a patient perspective, to make it cost less. And what is the governor proposing about community paramedicine that would be a change for New York? Well, up until last year, community paramedicine, other than pilot programs with the Department of Health, weren't really legislated permissively. But last year, there was a bill that was signed into law by the governor that allowed programs that were authorized under Executive Order 5, I believe, during COVID to continue for a two-year period while other legislation was looked at. So this is that other legislation that's being looked at. Uh, and in sub, uh, Subdivision 3 of Section 3018 of the Public Health Law, she's proposing that it says shall authorize mobile integrated and community paramedic programs, and it adds those programs currently operating and approved by executive order number four, in addition to number five. But more importantly, from many perspectives of, of the EMS community, it allows up to 200 new or expanded programs. So, so this is going to allow other agencies to get into the community paramedicine or mobile integrated healthcare space and to continue and expand the ability of healthcare to prevent those readmissions and to prevent those unnecessary even visits. Well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. This is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Tim Egan, chair of the United New York Ambulance Network and executive director of Rockland Paramedic Services. We often hear, though, that there is a shortage of healthcare providers, which limits the capacity of the healthcare system. So, will there be players that actually want to take advantage of these slots if they come to fruition? 
Well, I, I first of all, yes, there is a significant shortage of healthcare workers, in particular EMTs and paramedics. But this would allow agencies that are currently providing services to augment their existing services with their existing personnel and to reduce the unnecessary visits to the hospitals. So I think it would help overall. Well, sticking with that issue of uh, staffing, anything in this budget from the governor that begins to address the staffing shortage that we're seeing in terms of uh, medical first responders? We are a little concerned that it actually might exacerbate that problem because the collaborative model that's being talked about could theoretically dilute the EMS workforce if it takes EMTs and paramedics out of traditional ambulance and first response roles and puts them into other healthcare settings. For example, working in hospitals or clinics and so on. Um, so that's definitely a problem. There's been academy style classes that the Bureau of EMS has been uh, pushing out and, and they've been successful in getting new EMTs into the healthcare system. But the question that we've been having within the EMS community is, first of all, what's the longevity of these new people? Are these people uh, roadworthy, to use a term that came up in a meeting I attended last week? Are they being taught everything they truly need to be effective providers of healthcare in EMS? Or are they just given the basic building blocks to occupy a seat in an ambulance? And that's okay, too. But there's not a lot in the way of follow through on that in terms of making sure that these people stay in the healthcare system, and in particular in EMS. Uh, people are leaving EMS in droves, and, and there's not a lot of people that are coming in to backfill them. Uh, you know, I can give you a, a statistic just from my own agency. The average age of our field paramedics is 46.4 years of age. Uh, that's pretty significant in that there's not a lot of younger people coming into the field, especially at the level of paramedic. Uh, and the people that are there have to stay longer uh, because they don't have pensions. Well, sticking with the staffing issue, in the governor's briefing book, there's a reference to uh, a newly established EMS statewide task force. Are you familiar with this? And is this something that you have high hopes for? Or are you, I guess, more skeptical of any sort of blue ribbon panel commission uh, or assembly of people, uh, which might not necessarily be a game-changing force? It could go both ways. So in terms of a task force, first of all, I've, I've had conversations with the director of the bureau uh, about this, and we've had conversations at state council and regional council and locally in our communities. The task force from my understanding, is not necessarily designed or intended to replace or even augment traditional or everyday EMS. It's meant to handle those, like the snowstorm in Buffalo last year, where they needed specialized equipment, when they needed mass casualty units, or they needed bulldozers, or whatever the case may be, whatever traditional equipment and roles that aren't served on an everyday basis. That, that's my understanding what the task force is intended for. But the problem is that if it's going to be staffed by EMTs and paramedics, those EMTs and paramedics aren't being created specifically for the task force. They're going to be sucked out of existing roles, and that's just going to dilute the system and cause more staffing issues. Well, finally, in 2023, the governor signed a bill dealing with the reimbursement process for ambulance services provided to patients who are out of their insurance network. When do you anticipate to have a sense of the ramifications of that new law and whether it does impact the financial stability of ambulance providers? 
Well, I could tell you, first of all, that the financial stability of ambulance providers is tenuous at best. You know, we've had our expenses dramatically increasing uh, since the adjusted fee schedule went into effect in the early 2000s. In recent years, uh, you know, pharmacy items, supplies, fuel, everything's health insurance, pay to make sure that people don't leave the industry has gone up 30, 40, 50 percent. Whereas uh, Medicaid funding has increased in trickles very slowly and Medicare funding, same thing. One of the things we would have liked to see included in the executive budget would be an increase in Medicaid funding, an increase in treatment in place funding or treatment in place funding to begin with. We are happy about all of the things that are in there, but really most EMS agencies across the state are struggling. Uh, And over the past few years, especially since and during COVID, there's been a lot of EMS agencies that have failed. Uh, because they can no longer afford to do business. But in terms of the change to the out-of-network reimbursement process, which is designed to make sure that insurance uh, companies are paying ambulance providers directly, is that something that's going to have a meaningful difference, or is that just going to have consequences around the margins? That will help, and it really depends on the EMS agency's payer mix and how much of that that they had. Different parts of the state have different percentages of of patients that would get those payments and then not pay the providers. Uh, but for those that do, I, it definitely will help. Uh, it's not the, a panacea. It's not going to be the end all in terms of providing additional funding for EMS agencies, but every little bit will help. Even twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 at the end of the year would be very beneficial to many agencies. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. We've been speaking with Tim Egan. He's the chair of the United New York Ambulance Network and executive director of Rockland Paramedic Services. Tim, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, David. I appreciate the time today. Capital Press Room a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.